Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Matt Strong and Allie Terry. Thank you to all the listeners out there joining us for episode 22. It's going to be a magical episode. We have a very special surprise on today's episode. But before we get to that, I really quickly wanted to welcome all the new listeners out there who've recently subscribed to us. Natalia, as I always ask you, would you like to explain, give a brief synopsis of what our podcast is to anybody new out there? Okay. If you're new, basically you came to the right place. Your intuition led you here and you're welcome. (laughs) This podcast features two very brilliant, succinct, talalented individuals known as myself and my partner. Oh my God. Is that me? Am I your partner? Thank you. Yes. Life partners. Um, And... (laughs) We tell stories to each other each week. We alternate. And each of these stories is something that definitely happened, confirmed facts. Alyssa. Look, here's the thing. We're not a skeptic (laughs) podcast. Uh, So anything that we talk about, we're never going to give you the skeptic side or we're very rarely going to give you the skeptic side because it's more fun to believe. Yeah. if, If zero is this maybe happened but probably not and 10 is this definitely happened i say we're between like a four and a 10 (laughs) i'm always at 10 it's always aliens any story i ever tell that's true Alyssa believes in aliens i'm i feel like ghosts ghosts are more likely but i also support alien theories and as you guys all know in honor of halloween this month we're trying to bring you special guests special themed episodes Um, And we normally release three episodes per month. Our first episode this month, just to recap, we told you the story of the portal to hell with special guest James DeAngelis of Sugar Pine 7. For our second episode this month, we told you the haunted history of Halloween and different spooky seasonal traditions around the world. And today, for our last episode in the month of October, we bring you yet another very special guest, actor, comedian, television producer, screenwriter, podcaster, he does it all, Jamie Kennedy. We wanted to bring you on so badly for a lot of reasons, but mostly because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a good chunk of your career in the limelight has been kind of split between comedy and horror or gore. Mm. Um, And so I feel like that's kind of what our podcast is, is that we try to meet that intersection of true crime and hauntings and paranormal and supernatural with a little bit of fun on the side to make it not so dark. Yeah, Yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, I got my break, you know, I was in Romeo and Juliet, but I, my more bigger character was Scream. That was like my break. And then, you know, you were the most beloved character on Scream. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, people definitely loved it, but it was just, you know, a magical movie. And then I was just looking at something, you know, that was sent to me that uh, Criminal Minds, I did that too. And I was like, and you did umps, Ghost Whisperer. Ghost Whisperer. So I do have more than I realized in my career. Exactly. Do you think that was intentional or was it just a happy accident that you kind of stumbled into those types of roles? Uh, I think it was Scream. was just I was lucky. Uh, Criminal Minds, my buddy worked on the show and it was a good acting piece. And Ghost Whisperer was just, I was fans of them and they were fans of me. And a lot of, I don't know, you're right. It's kind of just blended naturally. Did you call it Destiny? It could be. 
I could be. I mean, you could also say the tremors, right? Like, yeah, tremors. Tremors isn't like ghost, but it's but it's gore. Yeah, so I have more than I realize. So I know Jamie Kennedy from. I think the first thing I ever saw you in was Malibu's Most Wanted. Malibuzy. Yeah, and we had that on DVD at our house, and would watch that almost every single weekend. Wow. So I Super am kind of nerding out right now. And wow. then also that improv show that you did, the Jamie Kennedy show. Yes. Yeah, I, I knew about that. We had, um there was a bunch of boys in our neighborhood that like drove a golf cart around with their visors flipped upside down to the side. Like <laughs> one of your characters did. I think it was Malibu's Most Wanted, right? Yeah, B-Rad. Mm-hmm. Yes, B-Rad. And yes. so that was, uh, this is like, I'm kind of nerding out right now. Really? Yeah. You're a uh, you're, uh, Malibu's. You're like a... Uh, Monster. Remember Monster? Is Monster the girl? That was the girl in the girl. Yeah, she's like, everyone's strapped with nines. And then, the, yeah, I yeah. remember that. Wow. There's, if you haven't seen Malibu's Most Wanted, it's a national treasure. Everyone needs to check it's that out. It's a cult classic. You got to watch it. Thank you. Yeah. And we just it. broke through to the top 500 comedy podcasts in the U.S. somehow. <gasps> And wow. so I, I don't know how it happened, but comedy. Yeah. So this is funny, too. Well, I don't know. Wow. Some people think it's funny, I guess. I don't know. You know, it's crazy. I don't want to go off the rails, but you guys don't do video. No, no, no. I right love now. the fact that you guys are old school and you keep it audio only. Thanks. But um, you'd probably be uh, number one if you if went. If we did video. video. Yeah. Well, it will help YouTube. And also there's a lot of money in YouTube. This is the best we've ever looked in our entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be honest, like normally we roll in here oh. like I hung over. Like, yeah, I have like one eyelash on. And we're <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. Like, it's Alyssa. But yeah. now we're like sitting with our legs crossed. I'm standing up straight. Like our outfits match. We have a professional in the room. Should I have gotten more? Look at me. And now I'm looking like I got one eyelash. No, because you have the track record to come right. in. And, and you look good. I like your shirt. I'm chill. I'm yeah. Good. I'm chill. But I feel like having a stand-up comedian like yourself on yes. this show is really going to skyrocket us into maybe the top two. We're going to go 499 after this. Yeah. I just want to beat Dr. Phil. That... Yeah, guy. what number is Dr. Phil? 200 and like something? 200 something. Come in on, comedy? No, he's not in comedy. In, in uh, overall, he's top yeah. 200. And you're, all... you're number 500 in comedy. Comedy, yeah. So we're in a smaller pool, but... But I don't think that's accurate because I looked at the charts a couple weeks ago and it said that we were like 300 something. So well, I think... Oh, okay. Oh, no. I mean, honest. I want to believe that. Yeah. And also, we're number 10 in uh, Croatia now for overall podcasts. So. Good. Wow. I know. And we're number 52 in Malaysia overall. Oh, you're killing it in Malaysia. I know. I, you I know, heard like, about you guys down there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know those shirts that people used to wear that said, like, I'm big in Japan. Yeah. yeah, I want one that says I'm top 52 in Malaysia. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and just sell it. You know, you guys, I wish you could have a microphone that's heavier. I mean, Jesus God, what are these things? <laughs> no, they're they're so made big. out of. You know what I'm saying? I like, feel, yeah. yeah. They're heavy as hell. What's going that's, on? That's called quality. Wow. Yeah. This is quality. This is a super mic. And Jamie, most recently, speaking of your uh, horror track record, you were just in a slasher that just premiered. Yes. Called Trick. And yes. I got to see it and yes. it was so good. Thank Do you want to you. talk a little bit about that? Where can people buy it? Or um, it? Well, it came out in about 20 cities this weekend. A lot of movies come out in the day and date, you know, and... Uh, it's on iTunes. It's on, you know, all of the places that you can, like, buy movies. But I think it's on Vudu. You know mm-hmm. what that is? And, yeah. And um, people are loving it. Like, I've been doing a lot of podcasts like you guys that, that are really cool and into horror. And um, 
I did a lot of radio. People's feedback's been really great, and it's it's I'm excited. It's 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 an intense movie it's you know definitely it's you saw it i, mean, I what, saw it and you were riveted i'm watching her during the premiere and you're like <sighs> i haven't like, seen a slasher in a while and i was like full-on gore Wait, is, like, it, is it like gory and scary yeah it's suspenseful i'll let her say but then i'll say my what you I, it's pretty intense it's pretty intense it gets saw? well it's like how yeah no so i saw an intent and then it's an intensity yes it's very intense. Like like fans of horror like yeah. want their kills and they want their gore. Yes. And it gives it right away. God. And that was something that I kind of forgot. I just haven't seen a good slasher in a while. And But I watch a lot of horror. In horror films or even thrillers, it normally cuts away right before the gore. So it's more of like implied gore. And then so the very first gory moment, I don't want to spoil anything for people that are going to watch it, but the very first gory moment in Trick I was just not prepared and it shows everything. And I was just like, <gasps> oh my God. Like in my seat, like, oh my God. Oh, I'm stressed out thinking about that. You got to watch it. It was so good. Uh, yeah, you should see it. I get nervous waiting for the light to turn green. Like sometimes I like <laughs> jump the, I jump the fucking gun, like waiting for that. And then someone's trying to cross the crosswalk and I'm like, fuck, sorry. Uh, everyone's looking at me. I'm just like, I, I don't know. If I, can, I don't know if I can do it. Well, maybe we can do a watch party with some of our viewers where we all buy it on iTunes at the same time time and yeah. watch it and have a live chat that I could like be fun that. when I the rain came out i had to watch it on silent first so what? like i just watched it without any of the sound and i was like okay now i'm ready to watch it with the sound because i've already i know where the jump scares are i know what's gonna happen so it's just a little less so wow. i might have to do that yeah or put on subtitles because then you can read ahead before yeah. something scary happens or is said I just I've done don't, that before. I don't, I like being creeped out. I don't like being scared. I get nervous. I get really nervous. Wow. Have you ever been scared while filming any of these scary yeah, movies? Yeah, actually twice. Um, first time we were filming in a house in Santa Rosa and it's a really like new house. It was where most of Scream was done, the end part of it. And I was going up by myself it wasn't that scary because it was all new, but there was like a moment where I was in the attic and I just thought this is like weird. Wait, while they were filming, you were in the attic? Yeah, I went out during lunch and I just started flooring. Oh, you And it was exploring. new, so it wasn't as scary, but there was a vibe in there. Yeah. That was scary. But that wasn't, maybe it was in my head, but the actual scary time was the death in Scream 2. So I was killed. Yes, I actually just rewatched Scream 2 last night in preparation oh. for this podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I uh we worked at a college called Agnes Scott College and it was in Atlanta and I got killed. And it was weird. I, it was like a big death. Everyone was talking about it and it was like a big day to do it and the whole day was pretty much just me doing this kill. It was a lot of physical stuff. And um I'm covered in blood. Mm -hmm. Just covered in blood. And uh, we're done. We, we got like one good take, you know. So the first take was like a little less blood and they got it. And I'm like, let's go and really do it. And then we did it. And I was just washed, which is the take right. I believe they use. Like horrific. Because I wanted it to be like, I wanted people to feel terrible. So do you feel like in that moment you felt <laughs> like you were dying or? No, I just, just thought is I didn't want to die. Right. I had no idea people would react the way they did to Randy's death. Yeah. So if I thought if you could see how killed he was, people would feel ter more terrible for him. And they and it, did. And it kind of did, right? Yeah. And Wes was like, yeah, let's go for it. He's great. You know, mm -hmm. he's so collaborative. So because they had a choice, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm done. 
and I'm covered in blood. And you know how colleges are. They go, yeah, go in there. There's a shower in the dorm. And it was in the summer. And I'm telling you, I go in. I have no towel. I walk deep into the dorm. I take a shower. And I have a towel. I have no towel. And I'm literally covered in blood. Just naked, covered in blood. In, in the, the shower. <laughs> shower. And I go like this. I go, hello? <laughs> Hello, that like I was literally yes. like, a, I was a fucking cliche and yeah, like, you guys going to give me a towel? <laughs> Hello? Yeah. And it was in marble and it was old and it was no one there. It was summer. <laughs> and I'm like, did they not remember they fucking killed me? Yeah. And like, I ended up using fucking paper towels. Oh my God. From the toilet. That's so ironic too, because your whole character in that movie is talking about the tropes and cliches of horror movies. And then you in that moment are the epitome of the cliche i thought literally like is this a joke like are you guys doing like, this to scare right me yeah. yes and <laughs> no they were just busy <laughs> and i'm like hello and so i powdered myself off with paper towels <laughs> and you didn't die not in real life no. yeah not in real but, life um, yeah and then i went and i went home yeah i was re-watching that scene on youtube last night where you your character gets killed off and i scrolled through the comments to see what people were saying and people are still commenting to this day being like why did you have to kill him off like they the producers really fucked up like the writers <laughs> fucked up like he was the only good character i know it's it's incredible and uh i've been talking to some hardcore horror guys lately on their podcast and i don't know I think there's a Scream 5 that we could do, and there's ways to do it. Who knows? Who knows who's dead? Right. I was talking to Matthew Lillard about it. I was talking to Nev about it. So who knows? Because I think everything's coming back. I'm not yeah. saying it can, but who knows? Because it's sad that I died. And more it and more is. people are saying that. Why did I have to die? Right. Well, and even though you died in the second of the trilogy, you still reappeared in the third movie. But it was sort of like you, before you had died, had filmed this video in case you died. But they still brought you back for it. Yeah, they did. And I came through a video, which was nice. And I mean, like, you never know who's going to go. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can tell you multiple things. And David will tell you this. Dewey was supposed to die. Mm -hmm. And then they did a shot of him doing a thumbs up at the end. And his <laughs> character was so loved that he kept going. Right? right. But if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have him. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Nev, I think they talked about her dying, but they couldn't because she's the anchor. She's the star. Right. But like, that's what Scream was. Scream was and is a boundary pushing franchise where mm -hmm. people die you don't expect and that's yeah. why you do like it i mean mm -hmm. sacrificial lambs you know that's why you do because it's like characters you care about die right. right they did the right they did a good they, job because they made people care about yeah. your character yes. an emotional connection mm -hmm. yes and yeah. it's not like people living out of crazy circumstances like you can't you know sometimes character lives you're like how the fuck did they live you know yeah i'm so. ready for the next one why not? Whatever producers are listening to this right now, yes. get on it. Yeah, you guys need to step it up. It's been, you missed your chance. Well, we always ask our guests on every episode, what is your level of dabbling with the paranormal or superstition even? Like, is there any, for example, do you believe in ghosts or aliens? Is there any, where do you draw the line? Or do you have any sensitivities? Like, uh, no sensitivities. What does that mean, sensitivities? Like maybe you get a weird feeling or you have dreams or you can hear things oh. or see things that some people aren't perceptive to. Um, I'm open to everything. Oh. I'm open very, everything. very open. I love that. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing I won't discuss or believe in. Have you ever seen like a ghost personally or an alien person, like a UFO personally? 
I have a lot of history in this world that you're probably surprised about, but like my father was a massive alien enthusiast. Was he in MUFON? Do you know what that is? Oh, wait, I know what that is. It's yeah. massive. No. No, oh. I don't remember what it what is. What is it? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't I remember Dan Aykroyd was the Hollywood. Oh, oh, yeah. He was like the Hollywood liaison between. Um, it's like a UFO community and a move on. It's basically like the Illuminati for people who believe. in uh, Ah, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. But my dad, ever since I was a little boy, my whole life has been a huge alien guy. Really? So he believes in that. Ghosts, probably somewhat, but not so much. But it was aliens. Aliens, aliens, and he has claimed to have seen two ships. Where, where really? are you from? Where, I'm from where, where uh, Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, yes. so your father saw the ships in the city, or he said he saw a ship in the early. I think he saw a ship when he was 13, so about 1942ish, mm. and he saw one in the Smoky Mountains. Okay. Um, in uh, Kentucky or Tennessee, I think. That's where a ton of sightings are in that part of the country. Okay. So he, he saw that. And, and he said his life changed ever since that wow. day. And then he saw another one in the early 60s <gasps> in Atlantic City off the boardwalk. And he said it was there. And he was like, I'm telling you, it did this, it did this, it did this. And it was a guy on the boardwalk with me who saw it. We both checked with each other and we both said we saw something and it was gone. Oh and he has been, and I just one other time, but those are the two I remember. And he has been spouting that until. <laughs> so God he's rest okay with soul. talking about it. Talking about it. Yeah. He has book. Well, he doesn't have, I mean, he's not with us anymore, but he lived a great life and he was spouting about it, which okay. I'm sad about YouTube blowing up because as YouTube blowed up, you can get alien stuff every two seconds yeah totally. so he had to he would buy magazines and oh, he, he would have loved to see all of the oh it's incredible yeah. well and recently i mean we talked about this on one of our episodes i think it was episode 13 but the u.s uh air force just or navy just declassified some videos of ufos no it was a whistleblower yeah but then the military was like all right here, yeah we'll declassify some stuff like so i guess you so, already released them i saw that one i have theories on all of this and then i'll answer the ghost question back that you said now go to my theories yeah do the it ghost i was weird because i was in the ghost whisper like you said i'm in scream which is not paranormal it's just you know it's to do with murder mm -hmm. but when I was never saw anything. And then in my house, there's a girl who is, I should get her to listen to this. She had told me, she's a woman, that she had a ghost following her. And she lived in West Hollywood and she worked at Pink Taco. So I went over to her house in 2013. She came over to my house and she says, a ghost follows me. I'm like, whatever. She says, an angry little girl. I'll be like, get the fuck out of my house. What are you doing here? So, yeah. <laughs> Why are I'm you like, bringing these spirits in my and house? And I'm like, whatever, right? Like, whatever. And then she said, you know, places aren't haunted. People are haunted, right? Right. And oh. so she was like a, you know, a normal, you know, fun woman, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we stopped hanging out. And the ghost. weird shit started happening in my house. <laughs> no. And I'm not telling you this because I've been in a lot of stuff. I've looked for this stuff. It's scary. I never saw it until I was in my mid-40s. I'm not kidding you. One night, I came out of my house. And I have metal that's in my house. And it was, psh, psh, 
What? Something was banging on it? Banging the metal. Oh, my God. I walk out. I look. It's about 3.15 in the morning. That's the witching hour. I go back in. I come back out. I have cameras all around my house looking out in my driveway. I do not see anything. I go outside the door where it is. So I have a see-through door with with tilted glass. I'm getting ooh right now on my arms. It's frosted glass. (laughs) Yes. As I'm hearing it, I'm looking at the piece of metal where it's supposed to be. I open it up, nothing. I close it, open it. It was silent when you opened it? I'm not, yes. I'm not lying. Jamie, that's a ghost. Okay, well, hold on. (laughs) I'm not lying. So then my boy, Stu Stone, who's a rapper, right, who stayed with me, he says, I was going to do a movie somewhere, and I said, use my house. So he stayed in my house for a month. And he's a total skeptic, doesn't believe in anything, think chiropractors stink, like everything. (laughs) He's that guy. And he goes, dude, he goes, he left my house after a week. I go, why? He goes, well, because the 315 tambourine player. What? Oh. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, every night at 315, you have fucking in your house. Oh, my God. I am getting goosebumps right now. Then I came back, and I've stayed in my house a lot. And I was like staying there by myself. I heard a, a weird sound in my walls. A ship? Is that a like like a tuba yeah. in my walls? I heard that for about another two weeks. Thank God I got another movie. Um, then I started so dating be- some girl. Thank God she stayed over a couple nights. <laughs> that, I mean, it sounds and, like you just have a haunted orchestra in yeah, your wall. Yes. Well, anyway, something happened. The other girl. Moved away. She moved to Manhattan Beach, and and she didn't come over anymore. I haven't had problems since. Oh, so I think maybe this ghost is. But jealous. she wasn't coming over after the tuba and the. She we stopped hanging out. I, I okay. Two things come so, to my mind. They were still there after, and then they left. But whatever that was, I'm telling you, my boy who's a skeptic was wigged the f out. It sounds like you were hanging out with some haunted girls and they brought bad well, vibes LA. into your home. It's LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. yeah. That's like 90% of anyone that you're going to meet in LA, but that's what it, that's what comes to my mind. Second thing that is maybe a little more sinister, these girls were trying to make you go crazy so that you would become codependent upon them because they were trying to ensnare you in their trap. Ooh, oh, and they planted fake ghosts. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Ghost trap. This is ghost yes, trap. a ghost trap. You're ghosting me. It's a ghost. Wait, trap. no way. Though. Yeah. Well, they got Stu for two weeks. They scared him. Well, they had to. No way. That's a big to do. Every night at the same. But imagine time. if that was a but movie. But by the way, I've met chicks like that. Yes, so you absolutely. Know they you can just tell when bitches have bad energy, and that's what happens. <laughs> that's what makes no, but this girl had great energy. energy. But she had she had told me, so I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. And the building that she lived in was creepy AF. And she's a bright, cheery person. Uh huh. So now she's left, and now she seems fine. But she did tell me that she's had this ghost follow her. So for how long? But did maybe she ever it was, say? Like, was it with I her since know. birth? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I've saged my house completely. Okay, mm-hmm. so now you have no ghosts. What about the tambourine player? None of that has happened in, in years. Mm-hmm. But it, it, and I'm surprised I still stayed there and I wasn't as wigged up. But my house is the type of house that could freak you out because there's a lot of glass 
and there's a lot of sounds, oh. and a lot of winds, and I'm up in the hills, but there's a lot of animals. Do you have any pets? No, but I don't get mad at the animals, like the raccoons and stuff, and, and coyotes, because it's their area. We moved in. You know what I'm right. saying? Do you, have, do you have bad interior design? Because that attracts ghosts. Feng shui. Yeah. I'm not terribly sure about that. I kind of think I do in some ways. Yeah, like if you have like those weird, <laughs> that, could be it. that like weird like lamp that everyone, every like cool guy in LA likes to have. It's like, what do you call that? It's like a fancy lamp. It's like a the big one that I know exactly what you're talking about. It hangs over. It's like metal and it's yeah, like curved. It looks like it's from like the 70s. It's got like a big lamp hanging on a fucking. I had that. Yes, that's I had haunted. that. Jamie, like that's marble. haunted. That's I had bad. that. It's bad feng shui. Base. It has a marble base. I had that. Yeah, I, I sold it. it. Good, thank God. That's probably why you don't have any ghosts. Wait, is that a basic B for dudes in LA? Yeah. A (laughs) basic B with dudes in House in the Hills that has that droopy lamp? Basic rich dude, though. At least it's not basic. Holy shit, I thought that lamp was so unique. (laughs) Jamie, I have another question. I have seen that in like rockers' houses. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, do you have either a glass table or a table made of petrified wood with a glass (sighs) slab on top of it? I had that. Yeah. I I had that. I had a totally wood table and chair. But yeah, the glass slab, I know that's when people grow their weed. That's a very basic dude B, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's the basic bitches of dudes. So you got rid of all your basic furniture. And now you're not as haunted anymore. Why are those pieces haunted? That's like, so fucking funny that yeah. you said you girls are trolling hard. We're on not like trolling. Houses that you go and like the couch is deep. Oh, yeah. Yes. You hang there. Uh-huh. Yeah. You maybe smoke a J. Let's watch some Netflix. Right. right. Whatever you know what's going to happen. You yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. You already know what the deal is when you walk in, you see that lamp. You're yeah, like, oh, right? someone's like, trying to get laid. Right. If he has the fucking trash can where you wave your hand over it for it to open, I'm like, this guy's trying to get fucked. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I think my D's haunted. Um, <laughs> that is so wait, I never, I never said any of that. I had that lamp though. So wait, let's go back for a second. Do you know what I think? That's so fucking funny. Do you know what I think ghosts are? What? I think it's just another dimension. We I think yes, a lot of people think that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. more and more. I think science is proving it, and I think it's people or entities or whatever we are and they're talking like us but they're like one dimension over so if you can cubicize everything and like look at boxes it's happening but the senses of what we have cannot pick up on it right yeah and they can't pick up on us if they're like a one dimensional creature or like a 50 dimensional creature like we only see in 3d right so like this is where we hang out yeah that's a big thing that a lot of people will argue with that but this it makes all sense with with that because of what they're trying to do. They're trying to talk to you. They may be in a higher frequency. Exactly. And they can yeah. do things that we can't because we're biological. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, aliens are a whole different thing, but I definitely think aliens have more power than we do. Well, mm-hmm. and some people think aliens and ghosts are the same thing. So, I've yeah, they think before. they're that world. Yeah. But they're different. But I mean, like... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the whole ghost thing is. It's totally different to me than aliens. And I, the scary parts of it and all that stuff. But aliens to me totally did not think they exist is idiotic. And people want proof, but it's like, you know, like I tell people, it's like, I know you want proof. Well, you have to be able to see something that maybe your senses cannot pick yeah. up yeah maybe yeah. we're just not equipped like, to be able to observe that like if an alien is made out of radio frequency like we can't mm-hmm. see that we just hear it you know so mm-hmm. I don't know. maybe the wind is a bunch of aliens 
Honestly, I believe that. I believe anything that anyone tells me on this podcast because I don't know. At right. the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not going to say something's not real because it could turn out to be real. And then I look like a dumbass. Like we just found out last episode that spiders have recently been proven by scientists to be able to fly using the electromagnetic waves of the earth. And they've been found as high up as two and a half miles. This article just came out. It was published in a scientific journal. Like, I hate that. So and much. but like, imagine like if you heard flying that flying yes, spider using the electromagnetic waves of the earth. Why do you like, bring this up again? Because <laughs> like, if someone tells you that, your gut reaction is like, no, that's fucking insane. But I have just over time been like, I'm never gonna say no because look, it turns See, out. See, you're it's like true. me, right? And then academics and skeptics will call us gullible and all right. these things, and yeah. it's like they need proof. And I understand that, and I respect your brain. I what I hate <laughs> is when they don't respect us because it's like. I respect your brain in that realm of academia with the charts and tables in which you learn. Yeah. But I'm trying to tell you there may be things that you cannot understand. Absolutely. The scope of human understanding, which you cannot cope outside of that. And that's where people get weird. Because right. they only understand within their toolbox. Right. You can only sense things with our five senses. 100%. So, yeah. yeah. There's things. There's like 11 dimensions. So like the fourth dimension, like if you watch Inception again, it's oh, so good. It yeah. Because it kind of makes sense of when everything's bending. Yeah. And it's kind of like. That, yeah, that movie was. The shortcut. So but it's like if you were to take where we're at right now and bend it in half, we could get to Hollywood in a half a minute. Right. Because like, it would yeah. be above us. If space is like a, it's a piece bendable. of paper. Yes. And you fold it yeah, and you fold it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. It's not even time travel. It's just like because it's bendable. And I think that there are a lot of scientists that totally agree with that too. And so whenever I meet someone that's like, that's not possible, I'm like, well, I'm not even going to argue with you well, because who, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, it's like those are the same type of people that will argue with you about like that stuff, but then they'll say, well, dogs really feel, how do you fucking know? Yeah. <laughs> how do you know this dog likes Doritos? Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think it's all bullshit, but I do like facts that we understand, but I also think that there's a lot of things that you cannot explain. Yeah. And if you can't explain it, we got to go, okay, well, what's going on? And I don't know, you're like me. I think you're like me. We, we like to believe. It's fun, more it's fun, fun to believe. Well, we don't even know how we fucking got here. Like, everyone has theories. So, like, how can we know anything? You know, yeah. We can't even explain our own existence. Well, you're familiar with the simulation theory. I No, we are in a simulation 100%. If you can agree with that. If you can, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but I do, I'm definitely intrigued by that theory. Someone's simulation. I'm not saying it's like a video game from the future. I mean, if you believe in God, it's his simulation. Someone's simulating something somewhere. And I'm here for it against my will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's actually a really good segue into the story I'm going to tell you guys today. So we talked a little bit earlier about horror movie tropes, right? And and cliches. Mm -hmm. And I think one of those is this idea of a killer in a movie that's so, almost like omniscient. Like he or she sees where you are, but you can't see them. Right. They know what you're doing. And for whatever reason, the main characters, like the entire plot of whatever they're in movie book, whatever is trying to find that omniscient killer. And a lot of the time they're not successful. So today I'm going to tell you guys a story about a house, but unlike previous stories of houses that we've told on this podcast, the mystery surrounding this house doesn't have to do with something within the house. It has to do with 
a mysterious force outside the house. And so we've never talked about something like this before. And I am really excited to get your guys' opinion on it because kind of like what you said with like residual energy or vibes or like that person brought something into your house possibly. What if there was a force outside the house? How do you get rid of that? It's fixated on your house, but it's not inside of it. To me, that's scarier because then anywhere I go outside that house, that force could be there. Wait, so you're saying it's like a ring of energy that surrounds the house, like a moat of just bad will? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I want to see what you guys think. I'm going to tell you guys about The Watcher. Have you ever heard this story? It's very recent. It's been in the news. Is it about a dude that watches you through the windows? I don't know. Jack off? While you're trying to jack off? No, that's the government. Oh. And that's why I have, wow. I bought a uh, webcam cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I no, I straight up, I bought one from NPR. It slides back and forth. I was like, I'm <laughs> sorry. Whoever is watching me from the CIA, you're not getting a free show anymore. Yeah, I just have Fuck off. Coming. Hold on. You guys really just went down the rabbit hole. Um, I, what, what I learned on that one is that women refer to themselves pleasuring themselves as jacking off. Well, I mean, the alternative wow. is literally so gross. I hate the expression flicking the bean. That's no. the grossest fucking shit I've well, ever heard in my life. No, I vomit. think if you wanted to go cuter, you could just go ringing the doorbell. No, no, because ding, that ding, 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 that ding, implies that ding. I'm dainty. Well, no, that's like no, that's like right. I'm being so delicate. In my... <laughs> <laughs> in... <laughs> Jacking off, I just thought it was the top to the bottom. But yeah, that's see, that was ignorant of me. So I'm so, learning something yeah. now. Was, see how I'm an ignorant man? Yes. Women can jack off now. Yeah. No, I didn't know it was referred to as that. I thought it was referred to like other stuff. It's whatever well, we want I was, it to be. In my bit, I was no, I was being a man. In my, yeah. in my mind, I'm a man. So that's okay. what I was thinking. Yeah. Hey, whatever you want to be. Well, and I'm going to talk to you guys about a <laughs> couple today. Offer. They may have been jacking off while the watcher was watching them. I don't know. Maybe that's why they got so angry in this story. But I'm going to tell you about Derek and Maria Brodus. Perverts. Pervert. No, don't slander them. They're alive. Okay. <laughs> alleged. This entire story that I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to go ahead and say this is alleged. I'm going to tell you the parts that this couple has confirmed and then stuff that other people have said about them. Everything in this story is alleged. However, it is a true story. Okay. Okay. Derek and Maria Brodus were, by all accounts, a normal, happy couple. They had three young children, two girls and a boy, and they were doing well financially. So well that they had finally saved up enough money to move into their dream home, a beautiful six-bed, four-bath colonial built in 1905 in Westfield, New Jersey. There's their first problem. Knock that shit down. And, and 1905, too many, too many people have died there. Yeah, I already know. About that. Yeah. Too much residual energy. Mm -hmm. Anything the 1900s and no. before, it's mm -hmm. like automatic. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it, it, the haunting. wood is mad. The trees are angry. They're mm -hmm. like, we remember when there was oxygen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this home is located at 657 Boulevard. And I want you guys to remember that address because I'm going to be referring to this house as 657 Boulevard for the oh rest God, of the story. Are get a visit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they were actually, so they bought this beautiful home. This is their dream home. They've been working their entire lives, saving up. They originally were living in a house that cost $300,000. They were able to upgrade within a couple years to like a half million dollar home. Now we're talking about a $1.3 million house. So this is a big upgrade for this family. They started off in $300,000 home. 
And this actually was such a big deal for them because Maria Brodus, the matriarch of the family, had grown up as a child on that same neighborhood, in that same neighborhood. And she had always dreamt of moving back there someday. And according to thecut.com, so I'm going to cite all of my sources. I'm not going to tell you the names of the articles until the end because it gives everything away. But according to thecut.com, for the Broduses, buying 657 Boulevard had fulfilled a dream. Maria was raised in Westfield, and the house was a few blocks from their childhood home. Derek grew up working class in Maine, then moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president with a salary large enough to afford the $1.3 million home. The Broduses had bought 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday, and their three kids were already debating which of the house's fireplaces Santa Claus would use. I just like whatever these people are going to do. I, I'm I don't root for them. Like where like they you're not a fan of the Broduses. No, like you're why not are so many for them? good things happening to them? Right. What are they doing where they're yeah. not haunted like us? <laughs> OK, so from the moment Derek and Maria toured 657 Boulevard, they knew it would be perfect for their growing family. According to court documents. Oh, I forgot to mention. So I went ham again and I went and I bought court documents. So a lot of this stuff that I'm telling you is in court documents and it can't be faked. So all the skeptics that listen to our podcast, suck my dick, please. <laughs> On or about yeah. June 2nd, 2014. Yes, Jamie, women also get their dick sucked. <laughs> the Brodus has purchased the home from John and Andrea Woods for the sum of $1,355,000. $657 and no cents. And the Woods were a prominent and well-respected couple within their neighborhood. Both of them were scientists. And after owning their home for 23 years, they were ready to sell it and retire to Massachusetts. Wait, this is the people that owned the house before? Before. They were a bunch of scientists? Before yes. the Broduses. Yes. Oh, okay. So this we have the Woods and they're moving out. And they All sold right. it to the Broduses. Okay. Okay. After the closing of the sale on June 5th, 2014, Derek and Maria Brodus happily began moving in furniture to their new home. After working for quite some time, Derek decided to take a break to go check the mailbox. Inside the mailbox was a single handwritten letter dated for the day before June 4th. The letter had no return address and simply said, to the new homeowner. And it was handwritten on the front of the envelope in black ink. Not thinking much of it, Derek opened the envelope. Inside, he found a single sheet of white paper with a typed message on it. The typed message reads, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my time. Why are you here? I will find out. Now that they have it to flaunt it, they will pay the price. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children, I have seen them. So far I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. I asked the woods to bring me young blood. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. 
look out at any of the windows in 657 Boulevard at all of the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends, welcome. Let the party begin. The letter was signed in cursive as The Watcher. Oh my Jesus. H. Do you have chills right now? Because oh I. Oh my God. I'm like shaking. Yeah, that and was really scary. That person missed their calling as a creative writer. They maybe. should go on Reddit. They need to leave some stories. This person is incredible. Okay, yes. so what happened? Okay, after reading this Whoa. letter. So imagine you're Derek Brodus. Wow. You just moved into your dream home. You have your entire family. You're moving in. You're doing renovations. You get a single letter typed with no return address Beautifully that says written. this. And it's signed The Watcher. And it's signed The Watcher. So it's a very sexy letter. Like, it is. You read it in a sexy voice. Thank too. you. I know. I just have a great voice. I can't <laughs> help it. Um. So after reading this letter, Derek was extremely alarmed, obviously. I mean, if I read this, I think I would probably shit my pants and then like run away and never come back and like start anew in a forest and leave my family. Um. But according to thecut.com, it was after 10 p.m. when he got this and he was completely alone. So he raced around the house, turning off lights so no one could see inside. Then he called the Westfield Police Department. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> the officer said? That's what the oh officer said verbatim. He asked Derek if he had any enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher tried to toss it through the window to break in. Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were still living in their old home elsewhere in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple who had sold them the house, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why he or she had written, I asked the Woods to bring yeah. me young blood. Yeah, I would be like, but what do you guys know that I don't know? Right, like what do the Woods know? How do you know? You clearly know the Woods. Like, why right? do you, you know their name? Fucked up house. Right. So at first, the Woods are kind of acting like super shocked. And they're like, oh, we don't know anything about that. We've never heard of the Watcher. We lived there for 23 years. <laughs> Nothing weird happened. Bullshit. Right. Then John Woods suddenly remembers and has an epiphany that he did receive one letter a few months prior to the uh, escrow closing. And according to court documents, on or about the week of May 26, 2014, the Woods had received a disturbing letter from the, the Watcher. The Watcher noted that there would be a new family moving into the home and that the Watcher was the rightful owner of the home. According to John, he assumed that the letter was just junk mail or a prank, so he tossed it in the garbage without giving it a second thought. Until now. John Woods told Derek that during the entire time he and his wife lived in the home, they had never felt watched or threatened, and most nights they even left their doors Wait, unlocked. On. I, I got distracted. What was on the letter that the Woods had got? What did it say? So we don't know. Even in the court documents, it's never stated what it is because, according to the Woods, they just threw it out. Like they did, they read it and they were like, "This is just like weird junk mail or a prank." Did, oh, they don't even remember what. It no, said? they don't even remember what it said. Oh. They just remember that it was like something about, "Oh, I'm the rightful owner of the home. I see that you're selling it." the watcher. Oh, they're like, it's not a bill. Uh, yeah. They're like, Oh, whatever. Me. Fuck it. Throw it out. Um, and actually Westfield, New Jersey had been ranked in the top 30 safe cities to live in within the United States during this time. So they're pretty shocked. Um, and Derek asks John Woods if he'll go with him to the police station to report his letter, because now we've got two letters we're talking about. Yeah. Right. So John agrees and he explains to the police, the letter he received in May and Derek gave the police a copy of the letter he had received. The police instructed both men to not speak publicly about the letters as they didn't want to tip anyone off in case the suspect was one of their neighbors. The police told Derek not to worry that it was probably just someone playing a prank on him and that he should, quote, 
put it out of his mind and move into the home anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what the cop said? That's what the cop said. Mm, yeah. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The cop is the watcher. Right. Well. He's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, well, yeah. What? <laughs> oh. Mm. <laughs> Trying to shake the fear and dread he felt, Derek went back to his new home and continued working on renovations. Trusting the policeman's opinion that the letter was probably a sick prank, he decided to move forward with renovating the old home and hired a contractor to perform $100,000 worth of upgrades. About two weeks after the first letter, on June 18th, 2014, Maria Brodus stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. Inside the mailbox, she found another single white envelope with no return address, just like the first time. What the fuck? However, this time, instead of being addressed to new homeowners, the name written across the envelope said, Mr. and Mrs. Brodus. Maria immediately opened the envelope and was again confronted with the same white paper with a typed message signed in cursive by the watcher. She called the police. It's the same thing? The letter contained much more detail than the first, including the Brodus children's birth order and nicknames. The letter also mentioned seeing one of their daughters painting on an easel inside their home and asked, is she the artist of the family? Okay, what, is it, what does it want? What is the this watcher requesting? So the letter reads, this is letter number two, reads, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster's a nice touch. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the home. Have you found out what's in the walls yet? In time you will. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought me. Have you found all of the secrets the home holds? Will the young bloods play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedroom facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who's in which room then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move throughout the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. You have changed it and made it so fancy. It cries for the past and what used to be and the time when I roamed its halls when I ran from room to room, imagining the life of the rich occupants there. And now I watch and I wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. Let the young bloods play again like I once did. Stop changing it and leave it alone. I pass by it many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Brodus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. The Watcher. Okay. Oh my God. A couple questions. One, does this person want to fuck the house? Like, what's their deal? <laughs> yeah. Second, okay, if they're saying that they used to roam the halls wishing it would be theirs, and then now you brought me young blood, and they used to be young blood. Does that mean that these children will once like become the watchers in succession? Maybe. 
Well, that is. What so, do you guys? That's think? heavy, right? That is so intense. This letter. This is like freaking me out. And he's saying that. He, or he or she. He or she. You're right. I don't right? know, but you don't know. He or is. she does say, "My father watched it before me, and my grandfather watched it before him." So maybe this is some. The reason why I'm leaning towards he is maybe it's some sort of patriarchal duty that their mm-hmm. family lineage but he has. Say what he has. There. It's like he's just harassing. There's no way to make it stop. Like when you harass oh, someone, you're like, give me money or move out. Like, what does this watcher want? Young blood. But, okay. But isn't so, that letter and freaking you out? It is, but there's also a really fucking it's fire song. I literally, Young my blood whole body is like tingling. By five seconds of summer. And it's like, Young blood. So that's yeah. what's going through your head when you hear this? Out of your life. When yeah. I hear this, I'm like on the verge of throwing up. Yeah. Like, like it's. Freaky. Yeah, no, it's freaking me out. But I'm also like thinking about the person who wrote this, right? So the people that live it's in this not a house. Person. You don't you think it's a ghost? I think it's some type of entity. An entity? Some I mean it's the watcher, right? Well, okay, hold it's that thought. So good. There's a it's third scary. letter coming, you guys. So I would here's what I would do since you guys didn't ask, I'm gonna tell you. I would write another r- note and put it in the mailbox and be like fucking like fuck off. Fuck yeah, fuck off. Or next time at least leave some cookies, like Thank you for welcoming us into our home. Yeah, leave me cookies, not a creepy how much, fucking letter. How much young blood do you want? Like, we'll just give it to you. <laughs> like, I got some vials. Let me get pregnant real quick. Relax. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you my next born. Okay, so now we've got a third letter coming, you guys. On July 18th, 2014, a third letter arrived in the Brodus mailbox. It read in part. So this is a month later. A month later. These are all about a month apart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. The Watcher. Built in 1905, 657 Boulevard was perhaps the grandest home on the block. And when the Woodses put it on the market, they had received multiple offers from above their asking price. That led the Brodises to initially suspect that the Watcher might be someone upset over losing out on the house. But the Woodses said one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis, while another had already found a different home. In an email to the Brodises, Andrea Woods proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood, she asked. The letters did indicate proximity. Although they had no return address, they had been mailed. They had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked June 4th before the sale was public, and the Woodses never even put up a for sale sign and only a day after the contractors arrived. The renovations were mostly interior and people who live nearby say that they didn't even notice that there was any renovations going on, even when there was jackhammering in the basement. When Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next door. So remember that first letter that the watcher sends he says oh i see that your daughter is painting on an easel is she the artist of the family so the brodises are saying the only way anyone would be able to see that any human would be able to see that is if they were literally standing right outside the window to that room well the watcher says that the windows allow them to see something so fucking bust that shit out board it up was it two stories or was it it is a two-story home so was that was she painting on the second floor first floor Okay, so then it could be a human still. Yeah, it could still be a human. So a few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street that was welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. 
The Broduses hadn't told anyone about the watcher, as the police had instructed, and found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids, who ran guilelessly through the crowd. Maria said, we kept screaming at them to stay close. People must have thought we were crazy. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult male children, all in their 60s, lived with her. No, that's the part. That's them. That's that's the watcher. The family was a bit odd, Schmidt said, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway as kind of a Boo Radley character. Quote Boo unquote. Radley is the crazy, the one that like hurts the kids and is scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I. OK, so I'm kind of leaning towards the Langfords right now. If, Keep if going. it's a human. OK. Keep going. Derek thought the case was solved. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 1960s when the watcher's father, the letters said, had begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. When the Broduses told Detective Lugo about the family, he said he already knew about them. And a week after the first letter arrived, he had already brought in Michael Langford to police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Brodus has said that Lugo told them that the narrative of which he said matched things mentioned in the letters. This isn't CSI Westfield, Lugo later told the Broduses. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. <laughs> but what does that even have to do with anything? I'm like, this detective is sketchy. This whole town is giving is me weird vibes. Fuck? Yeah, this is the detective that was like, what the fuck is this? I like him. <laughs> Wait, when the wife is dead, it's the husband. What does that mean? So I think he's kind of saying that... You know, you guys are trying to. Oh, don't overthink. Don't it. overthink right. it. Okay. Have what you he's seen Scooby Doo? Because this is like every single episode. It's like, oh, this place is haunted, and it's like really someone just trying to cash in. Yeah, but this is written so well. It's written so These well. Letters are eerie as hell. They're they, evil, right? They're too good. It's they're like, brilliantly written. Yeah, it's like somebody is really bored and they're 60 years old and they live with their 90 year old mother. Well, but but we those letters are written so good. Yeah. You it, don't think you could write a letter that well, Jamie? I would take a lot of work. I mean, it, the way it's worded, it's freaking me out. It's written beautifully. It's beautiful, right? It's perfect. So then the police chief I'll write tells... i a letter like that for I you. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> so then the police chief tells the Broduses, you know, maybe it's this Langford guy... I still kind of think it's you guys, you know, doing pulling a hoax on us. Oh. Uh, but there's not really much we can do because there's not much evidence. And Derek said, this is someone who threatened my kids. And the police are saying probably nothing's going to happen. Well, probably isn't good enough for me. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, he would have a different kind of case on their hands. This person attacked my family and where I'm from, if you do that, you get your ass beat, Derek told journalist Reeves Weidman. Frustrated, the Broduses began their own investigation. Derek became especially obsessed. He set up webcams in 657 Boulevard and spent nights crouched in the dark, watching to see if anyone was watching him from the house at close range. The watch became the watcher. Mm-hmm. Maria thought I was crazy, he told the journalist recently at a coffee shop in Manhattan, where he covered the table with documents relating to the case, including copies of the letters which he and his wife had shared with only a few friends and family members. He showed the journalist a map displaying 
wherein each of 657's neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s, which overlays marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate when they might have heard Maria yelling their kids' names. Only a few homes fit both criteria. So the patriarch of the Brodus family is going fucking insane. Yeah. He literally has maps, diagrams. He's drawing circles. Like, how far away would someone be able to hear if mm-hmm. I was yelling my kids' names? Like, who's Richard lived here Dreyfus since the 60s? Richard Dreyfuss in um, Close Encounters. You ever see that movie? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He went that. Which I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, the watcher's saying that he's in the walls. Like, don't let your kids play in the basement. So why don't they, like, peel back the walls and see what's up? Well, okay, so let me tell you what they end up doing. So let's keep going. So the Broduses also turn to several experts because now they don't trust the cops because the cops are saying this might never be solved. So they employ a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords but didn't find anything noteworthy. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs. They were on a high school board of trustees together, and they also hired Robert Linehan, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. Linehan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M.M. Braddis, the salutations including the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day, and the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary panache, which suggested a voracious reader, like you said, Jamie, and a surprising lack of profanity given the level of anger, which Linehan thought meant a less macho writer. Maybe, he wondered, the Watcher had seen the, wa- had seen the movie The Watcher starring Keanu Reeves as a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. Linehan didn't think that the Watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain erraticism. The first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was a Wednesday. There was also a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. The watcher was upset by new money moving into the town. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? The watcher asked in a subsequent letter and by the Brodus's relatively modest renovations. The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. This is another letter from the watcher. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for its past. Perhaps the watcher was jealous that the Broduses had bought a home and the writer couldn't afford it. But the focus remained on the Langfords. In cooperation with Westfield police, the Broduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview but got nowhere with him. And his sister Abby accused the police of harassing her family. Eventually, the Broduses hired Lee Levitt, a lawyer, who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney, to show them the letters, along with photos, explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. The meeting grew tense, Levitt told the journalist, and Langford insisted Michael was innocent. One night, Derek had a dream in which he confronted Peggy, the eldest Langford, and demanded that she build an eight-foot fence between the properties. Wait, this was in a dream? So basically, they're doing this whole song and dance where they're trying to con- they're trying to make the Langfords confess because yeah. it's the only house. All of this research that Derek's put in, he's saying, because he doesn't believe in ghosts. And he's saying, this is not an entity. This is a human. It has to be a human. And the only person that's lived here since the 60s that is within earshot of our house and that could have observed the easel is the Langford family. And the only man in the Langford family who matches this FBI profile is Michael Langford. The bearded Ernest Hemingway. Yes, the beard, the Boo yeah. Radley. 
I think it's funny, like you're reading the letters in like a very like menacing voice, but it's funny to think if it's like just, you know, you said it was from New Jersey, right? Where the post office was yes. down there. Uh-huh. It's just some lady, she's like, you're ruining it. It has so much beauty and you're putting <laughs> new contractors. It's Long Island Medium or whatever. Yeah. yeah. This season on Long Island Medium. I'm Teresa Caputo. I like to think of myself as a typical Long Island mom, but I have a very special gift. I talked to dead people. There were reasons to consider other suspects. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was sent, which would make sending two more letters especially reckless. Then there was the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks. Bill Woodward, the Brodus's house planter, had also noticed something strange. The couple behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Brodus property. One day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs, Woodward told the journalist. He wasn't facing the house. He was facing the Brodus's. Ew. So it's like now maybe the young blood thing is like a pedophile. Yeah. So it could be a pedophile thing. Gross. So basically what ends up happening. So we're still in 2014. The investigation is stalled. The Brodus's decide, you know what? We're going to try to sell this house. But by this point, word's gotten around that there's a watcher. So they want to they want to leave, but they can't. But they can't. Nobody will buy it. I know. And they've also put in one hundred thousand dollars in renovations to the home. So they're they're living there. No, nothing weird is happening. Part time. They haven't sold their old house because Uh, they're afraid to move in with the kids. Okay. because there's like a possible pedophile or murderer that wants to kill them. So they put in a new alarm system. And they do live there ever or no? So part time, apparently. Okay. They're there part time. Other house, nothing bad happens with their other house. Nope, nothing bad happens to their other house. So whatever it is, literally just wants the young blood in the house. Exactly. Yes. So finally, the Brodus's have to sell their old home because you can't. There's no way you can afford two. Like this family can't afford two homes, especially this really nice home. And they have to move in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on Six Five Seven Boulevard. I had to do things like shovel the driveway, Derek said. Just picture that little indignity. I'd go out at five in the morning, then come back and do it again at my in-laws. They told only a handful of friends about the letters, which left others to ask why they weren't moving in. Legal issues, they said, and people wondered if they were getting divorced. So basically, they're ashamed. They are embarrassed. They don't want to tell people what's going on. And so all their friends and family are like, what is going on? Why aren't they moving into this house? Are they in the process of separating? Um, and then he's shoveling the driveway. I know. And he yeah. says that little indignity, like, so it kind of makes sense when the watcher's saying you moved here out of greed. Does the watcher yeah. know something? Is it an omniscient presence that it can know that mm-hmm. this man is all about appearances? Mm-hmm. Um, he's indignified by shoveling a driveway. Correct. Yes. Wow, man. I'm like totally enthralled. Okay, I'm glad you're not bored. This is exciting to me because maybe, like, this could happen to me. You know, I could go home and there could be a a letter and it's like, young bloods in your home. And I'm like, oh, what is this? I would immediately move out. This could happen to anyone. That wouldn't freak you out? No, it would freak me out, but it's exciting. I'm just Mm. saying it could happen to anyone. So it's like. Well, and I think what Mm. you're talking about, too, a lot of people in that neighborhood felt people were on edge, but they were also very interested. It's drama. It's like, what's happening? People were starting to put lawn chairs out on their front lawns and sitting and watching the house. Oh, my God. This became an event. Right. So now everyone's watching. Mm -hmm. Everyone's being a creep. Right. So this journalist um, 
from thecut.com, whose article I'm reading excerpts from, he goes out and he's interviewing people because the Brodus's reach out to him. They're like, we're at our wits end. We can't sell this house. Um, we don't want to live there. We're super stressed out. Both of them are starting to see therapists now. Um, they're both still working full time. They have kids that they're raising. They had been planning on getting pregnant again, but they're having to put that off. So this journalist goes in and he's interviewing some different neighbors. So Lori Clancy, who teaches piano lessons in her house behind 657 Boulevard, told the journalist that one of her students came for lessons shortly after the news of the watcher broke and started bawling. She was terrified to walk down the boulevard, Clancy said. At the first Westfield Town Council meeting after the letters became public, Mayor Andy Skabitsky assured the public that the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year and that even though the police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been, quote unquote, exhaustive. This was news to 657's neighbors, most of whom had never heard from the cops. We're confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be conducted without talking to all of the neighbors with proximity to the home. Several of them wrote in a letter to the local paper. Under the glare of the national attention, Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield Police, was asked to look at the case again. The Broduses are victims, and I don't think they got any of the support they needed, Chambliss, who has since retired, told the journalist recently of the initial investigation. Chambliss knew that his colleagues had looked closely at Michael Langford, According to his brother, Sandy Langford, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things, like walk through the backyard or peek into the windows of homes that were being renovated. Mm. But those who knew him told the journalists that the odd things he did were mostly just unusual neighborly kindness. He goes out and gets the newspapers for me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lived next door. People who had known Michael for decades said that they didn't think he was capable of writing such eloquent letters. As Chambliss looked into the case, he discovered something surprising. Investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes. Finally. And determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm. What I said. Yeah, what'd you say? You're right. I was being sexist. What I said. Yep, you were right all so along. So well written. So Chambliss decided to and look poetic. more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked mm. as a real estate agent. Was she upset? <gasps> she worked as a real estate agent. Wait, yes. is, this a per, is, this a, is this a private investigator who did this? This is um, a retired detective. The DNA. Yes. Okay, so go ahead. Okay. So Whoa. He, his hypothesis now at this point is, was she upset about missing a commission right next door? She also worked at the local Lord and Taylor and Shameless coordinated with a security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle during a shift. What's Lord and Taylor? Um, it's like a clothing it's store, like I think. Macy's back in the day, Macy's. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's definitely her. She's a struggling real estate. So Wait, they, hold on. What's the water bottle? So they grab the water bottle because their idea is they're going to covertly get her DNA and test uh, it against the DNA found okay. on this letter. Mm. The sample is not a match. No. Oh, so it's not her. Okay. Uh. Not long Jeez. after, the prosecutor's office gave the Broduses some unexpected news. They wouldn't explain how or why, but they all they would say was that they had ruled out the Langfords as suspects. Why? <laughs> Take them all to jail. Yep. I'm so I'm like, this is getting really good. So left without a suspect, the Broduses reopened their personal investigation. They were still coy about sharing too much information with their neighbors who had remained in the pool of suspects, but spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the handwriting from a Christmas card, but the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll, the security firm. 
and the Broaduses hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they found nothing. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and former member of the band Shanana, who didn't find What? <laughs> this is going so many Wait, levels. What? Shanana? What's the band Shanana? <laughs> I don't do, know. Do, 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 do. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I'm waiting boop, for myself boop, to boop, remember boop, this. Boop, good night. You got to watch Grease too. Oh, yeah, they're the band in Greece oh, or Greece Greece too. Yeah. Okay, okay Greece well, Shana Na is a legendary. Band. A former member of Shana Na became a renowned forensic linguist. Wow. <laughs> well, good so. night, sweetheart. <laughs> well, it's time to go. Do, 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 do. do you think he sings while he's analyzing yes. different letters? Take the first take out. I like my second take. Yeah. Out. <laughs> So this guy from Shanana. Now this is so bizarre. <laughs> you guys don't know what Shanana is? No. God, what age am I at? I thought it was like No, that's from The Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. Wait, <laughs> how old are you guys? Twenties? Yeah, we're twenty. We don't reveal our age, but we're in our twenties. Okay. So yeah, I guess you wouldn't know it. But like, do you know who the Beatles are? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So certain bands that hit. But I know who Jesse McCartney is. Okay, wait, okay, do you know but who Five Seconds of Summer is? Of course. I know oh. that song very well. Oh, um, got my trust back now. But, yeah. <laughs> but you guys don't know. I mean, I guess Sean on Oslo, but you watched Grease. Yeah, absolutely. Grease, yeah. Is, Grease, too. Grease is mandatory viewing, right? Yeah, yeah. You love it, right? Okay, absolutely. And yes. so they're the band. I dressed up as Grease. Sandy for Halloween one year. Iconic. Yeah. Okay, so they're in that. So anyway, this is okay. getting bizarre. So it's getting even weirder, right? So this guy from Shanana decides he's going to forensic linguist the shit out of this letter, but he doesn't find any noteworthy overlap when he scoured local online forums for similar for similarities to the watcher's handwriting. Although he did think the author might watch Game of Thrones. Well, how, how is this taking place recently? Yes. Okay. So now we're in fa we're fast forward. We're in 2015, 2016 now in this ah, story. Okay. okay. So the reason why he thinks he watches Game of Thrones is because Jon Snow is one of the watchers on the wall. Yeah. At mm. one point, Derek persuaded a friend in tech to connect him to a hacker willing to try to break into Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood to look for incriminating documents. Mm. But doing so turned out to be both illegal and more difficult than the movies made it seem. <laughs> so they didn't go through with it. But I love that he's admitting this. He's like, yeah. I was going to hack into all of my neighbor's computers. He's, yeah, he's desperate. Obsessed. He is fucking desperate at this point. Wow. So Chambliss and the Westfield police back at square one. The cops asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and interviewed her 21 year old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. A year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leads. And the initial police canvas had been so porous that it missed a significant clue. Around the same time that the Broduses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. No. The parents of that family had lived in their house for years and their kids were grown. So they threw the letter away just as the Woodses had. But after the news broke, one of their children posted about it on Facebook, then deleted the post. When the investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Broduses, but its existence only made the case more confusing. There wasn't a whole lot to go on, Chambliss said. One night, Chambliss and a partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on Boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Chambliss to grow suspicious. 
He says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block. The woman told Chambliss her boyfriend was into, quote, some really dark video games, including, in Chambliss's memory, one in which he was playing a specific character, the Watcher. What? (laughs) As for the female DNA, Chambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could maybe have helped. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Chambliss said he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. He didn't show up either of the times. Chambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear, and with the media attention dying down, he dropped the case and moved on. Meanwhile, the Broduses continued to be consumed by stress and fear. For the rest of Westfield, the story became little more than a creepy urban legend, a house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had ever lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighbor could be host to something so sinister. A woman who lived nearby said that after the news broke, she and 10 or so neighbors had gathered in the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letters. Eventually, she said, they came to one consensus. Maybe the Broduses had sent the letters to themselves. The theory, so far as it went, was that the Broduses had suffered buyer's remorse or realized that they couldn't afford the home and concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Or Derek was cooking up some kind of insurance fraud. Or they were angling for a movie deal. Some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broduses had upgraded from a $300,000 home to a $700,000 home to a $1.3 million home and refinanced their mortgages. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broduses kept renovating a home they weren't moving into or questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. The leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with a photo of her kids. The paper did not note that the police had tested Maria's DNA and it didn't match the letters. None of the theories made much logical sense. The Broduses had answers to every question. How does someone go from a $300,000 home to a $1.3 million home in 10 years? Drugs. <laughs> That's your drugs. every episode, Natalia's like, it's drugs. And it's all, it always ends up being drugs. Sometimes it does. You're well, right. He could have made money. Couldn't he have made money? So that's job? what Derek says. So Derek's response is, it's America. This is a capitalist society. Like, I'm working really hard. I'm getting promoted and I'm upgrading my house as I get my promotions and my bonuses at my really nice fucking job. Mm-hmm. But they weren't speaking publicly and the rumors persisted. One Boulevard resident wrote a letter to the editor arguing that an elaborate scheme is underway to defraud the Woods family for millions of dollars. Mm. Bliss told the journalist, some Westfield cops even bought into the theory. There were even more skeptics online. I live in a neighboring town. If these letters had been happening for a while, there is no doubt in my mind that it would have been made public way before this, Lord Fluffernutter said on Reddit. Lord Fluffernutter. This screams scam. The Broduses hadn't known how their neighbors would react to news about the Watcher, and they had lived in the area for a decade. And Maria's family had been a part of the community for much longer, so it was shocking to find themselves accused of being con artists. To Derek, it seemed that some in Westfield preferred conspiracy theory to considering that their town might be home to a menace. There's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years. Nothing's happened to me, Derek said. What happened to my family is an affront to their contentions and their safety. There's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe this could happen in Westfield. So meanwhile, the Broduses still had to figure out what to do with their house. They decided to file a lawsuit against the Woodses for not disclosing that original letter that they had received from the Watcher. And they're arguing that 
if the re only reason why they would have thrown this out is because they knew it was fucking weird and fucking creepy and they wouldn't want their potential buyers to find out and back out of the sale. So they sue them in civil court for fraud, for failure to disclose. Um, I don't know. There's like I downloaded the court docket and there were so many different things. Fast forward, that case gets thrown out because as it turns out, you cannot sue for if you have like a creepy neighbor, which I didn't know. In New Jersey, you can't sue for that. Like menaces in the neighborhood, it's not valid. So their lawsuit was still pending, but seemed unlikely to succeed. Some states require sellers to disclose transient social conditions like murders or possible hauntings, but that wasn't the case with 657 Boulevard. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market hoping it might garner more interest given how many people had reacted to the letters by saying they would have ignored them and just moved in. The Brodus has held a well-attended open house, after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and compared their handwritings to the watchers. But each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Brodus's lawyer to read the letters, they backed out. Some cocky guy from Staten Island said, fuck it, I'm going to get a house at a discount, Derek recalled. He read the letters and then we never heard from him again. Mm -hmm. Feeling as if they were out of options, the Brodus's real estate lawyer proposed an idea. Sell the house to a developer who could tear it down and split it into two sellable homes. They thought they could get a million dollars for the lot. Um, they held a public hearing and the city shot down that proposal. Interestingly, another house next door decided that they wanted to hold a hearing to tear it down and to turn it into two houses and the city let them. Whoa, why? Why didn't the city let them? That's the question, right? What is it about this house where the city won't do anything about it? The police seem to be ignoring everything. They're not investigating adequately. Neighbors are just like, oh, this isn't real. It's the Brodus is playing a prank on us. There's something a, going on. Do you have a photo of this house? I absolutely have a photo of this house that I'm going to show you. Um, but I want to end it real quick for you guys. So the hearing is unsuccessful. At 11.30 p.m., the board unanimously rejected the proposal. Interestingly enough, they approved one just a few short months later that's wait, wait down the street. 11.30 p.m.? Yes. But what the fuck? I know. This town is fucking weird. Who is still making decisions at 11.30 p.m. and they mm. work for the city? The city notoriously goes home at 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, okay. Then two weeks later, Derek went to 657 to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof. Mm. And he starts renting it out to somebody. So he's going over to deal with these squirrels. And another letter in an envelope had just arrived. Oh, no. The letter reads, oh, violent no. winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. <laughs> this <laughs> and that's all it says. So this letter dated two and a half years after the watcher first appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th. The Wait, day didn't say anything other than to your shitty wife and you. Oh, it does. It has oh. a couple more sentences. So it said, you wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you have even spoken to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher is could be me. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it seemed the writer had been closely following their story. They had seen the media coverage. Walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me, the letter continues. I watched you as you watched them from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And the attempt to tear down the house, the watcher also seemed to know about. 
657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard under my orders. All hail the Watcher. I know who it is. Who, is who do you think? I know who it is. Wait, who? It's the daughter. <gasps> uh, wait, the daughter of who? His daughter. The Broda's daughter? Wait, how because she didn't daughter? want to leave her old neighborhood. She's like... She wanted to scare her parents. <gasps> the 12-year-old? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a letter I would write when I was Because it was written so well, yeah. and she's so eloquent in creative writing class. I'm just Honestly, thinking the daughter. Honestly, that's a great hypothesis. The daughter did not want to leave. She said, you, it's, what you, she said, you idiots. That, was, yeah. that showed her age. Yes. Yeah. It does seem more childish, right? Yes. And that's something that the police say when they get this new letter two and a half years later. So the renter is super spooked because he gets this letter and says, I'll only stay if the Brodus's install cameras around the house. So the Brodus's install a bunch of cameras around the house, but a new letter shows up in the mailbox. Mm -hmm. And when they review the camera, they don't see anyone dropping it off. It's like the letter just materialized in the mailbox. Mm. Haunted mailbox. This new letter says, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you fall sick one day. <laughs> maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break. And that's all the letter says. It was like we were back at the beginning, said Maria but it also meant fresh evidence that might help them invigorate the investigation. Derek took the letter to police headquarters where a detective looked at the neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house in a 300-yard diameter. In my view, it's one of the 10 houses in the neighborhood. The Brodus' continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much law enforcement to go on, and it was possible to look up and down the street and see the Watcher in practically anyone. The Brodus' no longer live in ever-present fear that the Watcher might strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with lingering effects from the letters. They have a new tenant at 657, but the rent doesn't cover the mortgage. Their kids are occasionally teased at school, and the conspirator rumors persist. They try to avoid the people who spoke out against their planning board application or accuse them of being con artists, but suburban life made that impossible. I see these people on the soccer field, at the train station, and my heart starts going like it did when I played hockey and was about to get in a fight, Derek said. When Maria found herself in a spin class at the YMCA with the head of the planning board, she went up afterwards and told him, you continue to hurt my family every day. Earlier this year, the planning board approved splitting a lot around the corner that required an even larger exception than the Brodus's. So that's talking about that. So that's basically the end of the story. But I want to tell Well, so what ends up happening... I was like a novel. This year... The Brodus's finally sold the house. To who? This year in 2019 in July. So just That's a couple so of months ago. It's anonymous buyers. The buyers don't want to go on the record saying who they are. Yeah, because they're the watcher. And the Brodus's sold the house taking a half million loss. Yeah, that person who bought it's the watcher for sure. So something that is really interesting, I think, you know how the neighbors were saying, well, the Brodus's, maybe they made this up and maybe they made it up because they wanted a movie deal. Well, guess who just bought the rights to this story? Who? Netflix. Oh, my gosh. Of course. For how much? So, after a ferocious bidding battle that, oh my that gosh. involved six studios, Netflix is closing a feature rights deal to The Watcher. It's also buying that article I just read you that was on thecut.com. 
and Screen Arcade's Eric Newman of Narcos and Brian Uncleus of I, Tanya will produce it through their first look Netflix deal. According to this article on Deadline.com written by Mike Fleming Jr., this is shaping up to be one of the biggest material deals this year, especially for a magazine article, and Netflix will, Netflix will pay seven figures for a rights package that includes an article written by Reeves Weidman that I just read to you guys, published on New York Magazine's website, The Cut, and the rights of the beleaguered homeowners who've lived this nightmare for four years. The article auctioned by CAA created a stampede for the movie rights in an auction that has been vigorous all week. Sources said that the bidders included Universal for Jason Blum, Warner Brothers for Roy Lee, Paramount, Paramount for J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot, Amazon for producer Michael Sugar, and Fox for Peter Chernin. It is a strong premise for a movie in the vein of the Amityville horror, only here the house was haunted from the outside, yeah. so it has parallels to films like Pacific Heights and mm -hmm. its exploration of upward mobility and the risk that can occur when a family bets everything on a dream home. So, wow. But here's my thing. Wow. So how much, because I was, I was really intrigued. Yeah. I was like listening to you just read it and I couldn't wait for the next letter. Yeah. When and I could see a beautiful couple, you know, being portrayed by people. And, right. Well, but the thing that I think, so, so maybe this Netflix deal kind of gives some legitimacy to that rumor that maybe the Broduses did this to get a deal. Hold on. How much did they buy the house for? They bought the house for 1.3 million. And then they sold it for nine hundred thousand because they did a hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations on top of it, and so it's a five hundred thousand. That's a lot, loss. and it was a five-year thing. It was uh yeah twenty fourteen through twenty nineteen. So you're telling me they did this for five years? That's to get a what movie I'm gonna deal? say. Is that I don't think mm, so. No way. I don't think so. No way. I absolutely, I totally agree, and especially because you're no telling way. me that they had buyer's remorse remorse before escrow even closed. Like, that doesn't make any sense. They hadn't sold their old house yet. And a month before escrow closes is the, when the first letter appears on the Woods's mailbox. So you're telling me they planned, they regretted it that far in advance. Why not just back out? Who is the watcher? Who is the watcher? It's like Gossip Girl. We don't know. Who was the Gossip Girl? I um, don't know. I never it listened was, to uh, it. It was the boy. It, it was, uh, what's his name? The cute boy, the nerdy cute boy. It was Cindy Lou Who. That's my mom's nickname for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is it since who's the why who's who was the gossip girl? I mean the the fact it was a boy, wasn't it? Was it a yeah, girl? Yeah, it was what's his name? The cute one. What's he his name? Was he reading dated on, Summer. Let me look at this. Oh, oh here my. you guys go. This is the house. So we're an audio-only podcast. Okay. Jamie, do you want to describe what that house looks like Fucking to our ugly. listeners? Wow. It's actually prettier than I thought. Um, it's not old and stone, but it definitely has a, it's not as creepy as Amityville. But it has that window, you know? But yeah, it has the that. window, but Amity had those eyes. Yeah, like you're eyes. right. I think it's, looks like a nice East Coast. It's big. Okay, what I'm seeing is an ugly house that has no rhyme or reason on the. It's a, It's not symmetrical. It looks like a barn. It looks like a barn. And well, then, it's a colonial. And then on the it's left colonial. side, yeah. there's a window that has two windows. On the right side, there's just a single window. In the centerpiece of the home, there's a window on top, and then there's there's just there's no symmetrical. There's no symmetry to this thing at all. It's a great. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but it's a. It's a great house for this story. Right. It's not as scary as I thought it would be, which makes me feel better. I, that almost
almost freaked me out more though when I saw it and it just looked like kind of a normal house. It looked like a normal house. Look at you know what's weird? What do you notice about this? First weird thing. The fucking door's not in the center of the patio. What do you notice in functionality, which is weird? Functionality wise. What it doesn't have. A this driveway? Is- yeah, it has no path to yeah, the. No yeah, path. it has no right? path to the stairs. So if you're that is weird, that is extremely weird. So the yard mm-hmm. goes all the way through, mm-hmm. and there's no path to the street. So yeah, it's, that it's is like it's weird. cut off from. That is weird. Yeah, it's super bizarre. Like like that house is cut off from the rest of the neighborhood, and there's no footpath. Exactly. Like, there's no the the grass is the same. It's mm-hmm. as if people didn't and then go if in you, there. If you scroll down, you're gonna see what the family looks like. So the minors, photos of the minor children are blurred. They, they can't be them because the girl's too young. Oh, you don't think that they wrote the letters? Well, no, they're too young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, five years, period. So maybe one of the parents started writing it first and then Who's a kid. I don't know. So, oh, then the other guy is the scientist guy, uh, John Woods, that sold the house. I feel so bad for the Woodses. They were embroiled in this civil suit for three years and spent so much money on attorneys fighting it. And they are very adamant that they had nothing to do with it. And I just feel so bad for them too. It just sounds like the whole, the way that this whole thing was written was, I don't know if you guys go to any of the subreddits that are like stories, like creative writing prompts Mm -hmm. or- It seems fictional to you? it, It sounds like, it doesn't seem fictional. It sounds exactly like this person who writes stuff and always wins the competition on creative writing prompts on Reddit. It's definitely very it's well written. written. Yeah. Amazingly well written. Yeah. Perfect for a Netflix movie. Creepy. Very yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's nice and soothing. Like I was listening to you, I was soothing. And I was freaked out, but I was relaxed. So who do you, you think? Who do you think? If Let's all go around and we'll say who we think the watcher is. I'll, I can start. You start. I, I think that it is an entity. I don't think it's a person. I'm going to tell you why. Because after they installed those security cameras, another letter showed up in the mailbox, but no person can be seen putting the letter in the mailbox. So to me, that's the point where I was like, this seems like it could be supernatural. Well, you know how the letter was like, look behind you, you idiots. It's the mailbox. The mailbox is haunted. Watch <laughs> The mailbox is writing the letters. What, yeah. Mm. What a what a better vantage point than the fucking mailbox. I'm going to say that. Where is it at? Westfield, uh, Westfield New, Jersey. New Jersey. And what is the grounds of Westfield, New Jersey? What? What is their lineage in top since, top thirty safest cities in the U.S.? What was the in the sixteen hundreds? Oh, good point. If you pass me back my laptop, I have an idea. What's your idea, oh, Jamie? Well, it could be an old, like a Native, Native American, American spirit. Let's oh. let's look up here. But if it was an old Native American spirit, we then, and we've covered stories like that then before. Why would they say, "Oh, I roamed those halls as a child," unless the ghost was roaming the halls as a child? Mm, you're right. Okay, so I'll tell you about Westfield. But this could be the the city, something within it. What give me the history of? Okay, that? so oh, yeah, yeah. it's a really old village area. Village settled in 1720 okay. as part of the Elizabethtown tract. Elizabeth. It has what? a female vibe. Yes, it has the a female. The letter has a female vibe. And it has female vibe. DNA on it. That to it me has. is so I always felt it was a female. Elizabethtown, isn't that like, doesn't that have to do with tobacco or like the new settlers or something? What is that? Well, I, I can, know. let's see. Elizabethtown Tract was a property purchased on October 28th, 1664 by John Bailey, Daniel Denton, and Luke Watson from the Native Americans 
that in mm-hmm. this area of present-day Elizabeth, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Hold on. Now stay with me on this. Okay. Did you ever see The Witch? Yes. yes. Love it. Mandatory, right? Yes. yes. Love it. Okay, it's incredible. The witch, when she goes into the woods, sees the witch. And what does the witch do? I'm not going to tell people who haven't seen it. Right. But she needs what? A baby's blood. She likes to eat babies. You're right. Young blood. Young blood. So do you think that this could be like a witch spirit? All signs are pointing to it. Definitely yeah. some type no, of that's fe- a great point. female energy for some reason. It's eloquently written. Beautifully timed, painstakingly crafted. And then there, I hate to say this, I'm going to get in trouble, but there was like a bitchiness to the third yeah. letter. Like, like yeah. I'm not saying that men aren't bitches and petty, but there was no. like, you idiot, listen here. Yeah. Like, Turn you, around. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. It was, like that, but like in the ethereal you world. Idiot, Derek. Yeah, yeah, and there was like, there was an impatience there because how women yeah. are smart. And they're like, don't you fucking get it, asshole? Yeah. Like, it was that. It was like yeah. a witchy, a witchy, but, but a, be- a strong, powerful entity, female that wanted it the way it was, and people came in, fucked it up. I, I that actually makes so much sense that it never crossed my mind about a witch. I was thinking along the lines of like a demonic force. Natalia, what do you think? Well, I just don't understand the motive for this watcher. That's the part that that's why I think it's a. That's why I'm leaning towards a scam because if it was an entity, it would say oh, let your children come into my basement, do this or whatever. Like, why is it trying to scare them? Unless the entity operates off of fear. I don't know. There's just too many weird Well, motives. demonic spirits and poltergeists are supposedly thrive on fear and bad vibes, right? Like yeah. they actually feed off of it? Yes, and then they get stronger. So if you're someone who is like really depressed, we talked about this in episode yeah. five a little. If you're really depressed and you're living in a haunted house, that's why... One of the theories is that's why people commit suicide so often in haunted homes is because the poltergeist or entity that lives there is feeding off of your bad feelings, making you feel worse and worse and yeah. worse. That is so deep well, and it would so make smart. Sense if these people too, like they're they are being greedy and they like keep wanting to move up and up and maybe that's like their own little demon. But think about this. There's all these letters that are mm-hmm. eloquently written. They did all of this research. They searched everyone. They couldn't figure it out. They got the FBI involved. They got the FBI involved. They got cameras. They got Shauna involved. They got (laughs) Shauna. They couldn't find anyone ever going into the mailbox. No one around. Nothing, 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 nothing nothing. on all levels. All they know is on the envelope is female DNA, and all the but that doesn't mean anything. The, DNA. the mailbox lady, well, it's not, it, well, it, was, it wasn't delivered by a post person, correct? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So what I'm saying is somebody with female DNA put it in that box. Right. And it's the same female DNA in all the letters, but everyone they've matched it against in the neighborhood and the, and the Brodus's, it doesn't match. So there, I don't know what that is. There's a clue in one Entities of don't have female DNA. You're right. Well, maybe, maybe. it's like a trick. Well, there was played. a there was a clue in the letter that said, years? "Oh, like maybe like turn around, you idiots! Like you don't, I still haven't figured out who I am. Turn around, you idiots! Like that is a clue there." Wait, so she said, "You want to know who I am? Yeah, I agree with yeah. her. Turn around, you idiot! 
So that's why I felt like it was female. Maybe and, it's his wife. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking that. Oh, you think Maria yes. Brodus is doing this? Maybe her <sighs> husband was like cheating on her or she's like, why the fuck are you going oh. to, sh oh. quote, shovel the driveway? It's like back to Jamie's haunted ladies that you were bringing over to your house. Yeah. They, mm. may, My theory that they were just trying to fuck with you to make you dependent on them. Maybe this Maria Brodus is trying to fuck with her husband break i don't know to bring their relationship closer I, together well i may i but have the DNA no idea doesn't match. they tested her DNA. oh yeah the dna doesn't match do it. yeah but they didn't see anybody put the letter in oh yeah but if she was in control of the cameras and all of that then she would know how to not it's just to me it's wild look we all agree that it's some type of female entity yeah we all agree <laughs> that it's it's a it's the entity right and then i was um i decided to look on reddit so this is the last thing i was like well because reddit is really think. reliable i like reddit i, I people, love reddit people are gonna holler at us for yeah that, but i love reddit i love reddit so i found this comment from this guy called rolling the stones x don't put your guys pictures on reddit do you uh no but people repost mine on occasion they will love you on reddit but but luckily you will be eaten. I, well, then I'm gonna do it. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't do it. I did contact Why? someone well, once. I don't know. Reddit, and I was Reddit like, take it down, intense. and they took it down. So I feel like I'm Reddit's reasonable it. sometimes. I'm doing it today. All right. Okay. So it. this person says, um, you will be the watcher popular. is a resident of Westfield. His name is, and it's like censored, so I don't know what the full name is, but it's R star 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 K star star star, and he taught at blank high school and would brag to all of his classes how he would write notes to a house that he liked in Westfield. Coincidence? I don't think so. How many people would write notes to houses in Westfield? I don't know where else to report this, but if you ask any former student who had blank as a teacher, she or he will tell you that he bragged about leaving notes and that he has an odd sense of humor, if you can even call it that. There's no doubt in my mind that blank blank is the culprit. If you can find a safe, anonymous place for me to tell my story, I will tell everything I know. Well, that tell it! That person is the watcher. Okay, so... So who's this person? So, Do you want me to tell you who it is? This how, is how did, you, how did you find this on Reddit? Uh, because I did like a fucking Wait, deep dive and I was like... That you went down I went, the I went hole. down so many fucking levels. Wait a second. Before you reveal who it is, I want to say that just because I think it was a scam doesn't mean that that's not an entity. Like, what kind of creature or what kind of energy makes you want to scam people and ruin their lives? Like, demons. Demons. Could be. For sure. So, this guy's name, and I'm going to repeat, this is alleged because... Are you going to put his name on blast? Are you sure? I, I don't want to get it. in trouble. I might, I, I might bleep it, but okay. I'll tell you guys. Skinny. There is a... At who teaches math, who has the exact same initials and has a reputation for being odd. I fucking knew it. Math's so boring. You have to do something to get You knew it. You said it was the mailbox. Yeah. What are you talking about? You fucking knew it. Yeah. You said it was a demon. What? I fucking knew it. Yeah. It was a math teacher. Yeah. I said it from the beginning. Yes. Okay, but then you guys want to know something else weird that I found? So who is it? So something else weird I found. I guess who has the woke same up initials? Four times. Guess who has the same Rodney initials King. that's related? <laughs> well, yes, yes, but <laughs> um, Richard Kaplow is the Woods attorney, and has the same initials. Well guys, it's Alyssa here. If I sound different, it's because I'm recording this on my cell phone. Something haunted happened with the audio for this episode and the last 10 minutes of the podcast are missing and I'm super sad about it, but let me recap for you the parts that I remember. 
Basically, someone on Reddit said that they were listening to a news report about this story and then walked into the other room where their child was watching Goosebumps, and there was an episode on called The Watcher on TV about a crazy person who watched somebody's house. So then the Redditor hypothesized that maybe the watcher from this story is an R.L. Stein fan. Then I think either Jamie or Natalia suggested that the female DNA was from a postal worker. Then we recapped all of the options for who the Watcher could be, a witch, an entity, a demon, residual energy of a previous tenant, a member of the Brodus family, a neighbor, a police officer, or someone else within the community. Then we talked about how the Netflix movie about the Watcher is coming out next year, and we'll all have a leg up on all of our friends because we already know the story. And then Natalia made some insightful points, and then we let Jamie do the BRB outro, and it was really funny. I don't remember exactly what he said, but trust me, the outro was good. Please go tweet at Jamie after this episode airs and tell him thank you very much for taking the time out of his busy schedule to be on our shit show of a podcast. His social media handles are Instagram at the Jamie Kennedy and Twitter at Jamie Kennedy. My sources for this episode are a dailymail.co.uk article written by Louise Boyle titled Scientist House Sellers Sued by New Owners Who Claim It Was Stalked by the Watcher. Then, of course, the article on thecut.com by Reeves Weideman. Article name is The Watcher. A family bought their dream house, but according to creepy letters they started to get, they weren't the only ones interested in it. Then an article on CNN.com written by Alan Kim called The Watcher's House is sold years after a family was terrorized with creepy letters. Then I looked up information about the home on Zillow.com. I also downloaded the court docket for the civil case between the Woods and the Broduses on portal.njcourts.gov. I also read an article from Deadline.com written by Mike Fleming Jr. called Netflix Wins Heated Auction for Film Rights to Dreamhouse Nightmare Tale, The Watcher. I also watched an interview on the Today Show. And I also watched BuzzFeed Unsolved, The Watcher. Please go check out our photo dump for this episode on Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. BRB, gotta go sacrifice some young blood. See you guys next episode. Bye. (laughs) 